David, welcome to September. Oh, thank you, Todd. And I must say, um, as much as I love summer, I was ready for September. This was a scorcher, and it's, I know it's still a scorcher for some people in some parts of the country, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm glad to be in September. Yeah, and I know you spent a lot of the summer um, working on responses to proposed rules from uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, but and I, I do want to sort of ask you about some of that work because I know that was that was sort of how you spent your summer vacation. Uh, but before we get to that, I'm curious as to kind of what's happening in the aftermath of the Supreme Court decision on Marietta versus DeVita. You know, Todd, we talked about that very briefly when it happened, um, but we're beginning to see it. And I know you, you as representing ASN have been in some conversations with um, some members of the community as well and heard it. I hear it a lot um, in coalitions. It, it's really beginning to, it, it definitely concerns um, it groups. And it's not just the larger for-profit dialysis uh, companies that I mean, providers that are concerned, nonprofits, all of them are a bit concerned by what could come out of the Marietta decision. Remember the Marietta decision, it did say that it did not violate the Medicare Secondary Payer Act uh, when Marietta, as an employer, provided services for dialysis to everyone, but they provided no no dialysis services in network, which meant basically was financially pushing people over off of the private insurance onto Medicare. Otherwise, because quite often with no not being in network, the costs would be higher and the deductibles would be larger, or else they'd have to pay for it themselves and get reimbursed. It's kind of a stalking horse, if you ask me. What do you think? Well, I think it's, it's it, to some extent, I think it's shifted the community's focus. So I think on the one hand, there's been an, a lot of attention paid to other way, other policy levers related to improving care for people with kidney diseases, both thinking about, you know, ways to um, increase screening for people who are at risk, as well as, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, addressing issues around transplantation. It just seems like the Supreme Court decisions kind of put a almost a stop to everything because the community is so focused on addressing this issue, you know, with a Medicare as a secondary payer. Um, and it seems like there's congressional interest, which is really interesting. So, I mean, my sense is the only solution here is is for Congress to pass legislation that would essentially um, address the concern or the issue raised in the Supreme Court decision. Is that sort of how you see this playing out? Yeah, I think that's going to be the case. I think that they're definitely going to um, try to make something happen before the end of this year. Um, I do think the Congressional Budget Office will score this as a saver, uh, and that'll make it much more attractive. Um, and the conversation, of course, I, I agree with you the way it's kind of changed some of the conversation. It's also made the interest in the number of patients going into Medicare Advantage uh, really critical, too. That, that discussion is arising as well. So, I mean, one of the challenges is is we have the midterm elections. So I know co the congressional schedule, you know, there's just not a lot of days before the midterm elections in early November. And then depending on what happens, you know, the, the lame duck section of this Congress kind of between the, the election and the end of the year. So do you think you really do think there's enough time for Congress to pass this legislation? There's, there's enough time if Congress really wants to. Um, there, there's definitely, there's not a lot of time. I, I agree, but Congress can do what it wants pretty fast when it needs to. 
So my sense is there's there's bicameral support both in the House and the Senate, and there's bipartisan support for um, passing this legislation. Where would the where would the opposition come from? Let, let's just say that uh, we are waiting to see whether any of the really big private insurers are also employee sponsored plans, employer sponsored plans, um, come out to oppose this. And we shall see really, because it's not clear how many want to follow the example of what Marietta was trying to do. Well, David, why don't we move to the second issue, which is, um, and it's interesting because I would argue there's there's a little bit of irony here on, on just in terms of the relationship between the dialysis organizations in the insurance industry, which is that an increasing number of people with kidney failure are now enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans. And I'm just sort of curious as to what that means for these individual patients, as well as what this means for sort of policy around um, the Medicare ESRD program. Todd? That's a really good question because the number of people going into Medicare Advantage in general is really exploding. And the same thing is, uh, seems to be true for uh, patients with kidney failure who only got the ability to go in uh, to Medicare Advantage with that diagnosis, you know, when they went in since January 1, 2021. Um, but those numbers have moved pretty fast. So there, there's a lot of things that are very interesting there. For, for one thing right now, some of the dialysis payments are better off for providers in Medicare Advantage than they are in Medicare fee-for-service for, for a host of reasons. I'm not saying it's always the case for every patient, but it, it is for some. Um, but that's of concern also because currently the Medicare Advantage data that has to do with things like evaluation and management codes, E&M coding, hospitalizations, um, things of that nature, they are not getting reported back to USRDS as they would be under Medicare fee-for-service. Um, and that that loophole has not been closed and it very much needs to be closed because it's going to affect the data that we really depend on both as researchers in nephrology, but also just to make policy and to understand where we are in, in just the fight against kidney failure and kidney diseases. Quick question so, on that topic. How do, you, how do you close that loophole? Is that something that Congress has to do? Is that something that NIH can do sort of by fiat? Is it, I'm just sort of curious as to how you fix that specific problem because it's a, it's a really big issue. It is a really big issue. And uh, you and we've all been talking about it today, saying about how, uh, you know, what the final approach is going to be. One of the approaches is actually not NIH. It's actually at CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, to basically say, look, this has to be a part of your contract's um, with Medicare Advantage. There, there has to be a mechanism for returning this data um, to USRDS. Um, they may say, those those insurers might say, then there needs to be a coverage, a payment for that, providing that information. Uh, that's another issue. Congress might have to step in. Um, USRDS might need to also make a request in its congressional budget for additional funding to even purchase data, not quite sure. But, I mean, we could talk about USRDS all day long. It kind of gets its data from a couple different places. But the, the really the, the claims that uh, we're talking about, such as, you know, in evaluation management, ENM codes, uh, hospitalizations, things of that nature, just are falling through. and They're being missed by USRDS. Um, 
the 27, 28, and 27, 46 are being, those forms are being caught. So those are enrollment of people into the ESRD benefit. And then also those that, and the, and the, and the, the one that records the death of an ESRD patient. Um, that's coming in and some of the data on transplant is coming in. One of the complications on transplant is people who have worked up for transplant at a transplant center will go into Medicare Advantage and discover that their plan does not work with the transplant center that they have been worked up at. And that's causing a problem and that really needs to be addressed also so that, so that kind of misalignment does not occur. So where do we start on this one? I mean, it just seems like it's a, it's a multifactorial problem. And, and um, I'm just curious as to how the community is trying to respond to these challenges with Medicare Advantage or also known as MA plans. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to say ASN, uh, we've been pushing in the community. And I think that, that most of us believe that this really needs to go to Secretary Becerra, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, um, because it crosses so many agencies and domains. It's going to need it's going to need that level of push to make everyone come together and work together. Um, and perhaps those groups are ready to do that, and that won't be necessary. And I would welcome it if that's the case. But at the moment, I'm concerned that it's going to need that level of involvement to make sure that we we cross over all the uh, barriers uh, make it happen because you're right. It is a very concerning issue. So the third topic that I wanted to raise with you is one of the things you did this summer was help draft ASN's response to the proposed physician fee schedule through the Medicare program. And I'm just kind of curious at a high level what some of the comments were. Well, I, th I think thematically what we've been talking about is also present here, which is what we've really talked about so far today, two areas where we're seeing big gaps from, from different things, one from a Supreme Court decision and one from just the expansion of Medicare Advantage, and where and they both have left gaps that are concerning people. Uh, the physician fee schedule really did try to address some gaps this year as well, uh, one of them being a, an issue that's been talked about for a long time within nephrology, which is the lack of dental services in Medicare. Um, and Medicare realizes that dental services are really important to people with kidney diseases and that they also need to be provided as, as patients are getting worked up for transplant. And as we know, and everyone listening knows, sometimes uh, dental issues can actually prevent somebody from being able to receive a transplant. Uh, and that is really just a shame And at this day and age that we are not covering that and making sure that happens. So, um, ASN and others came down pretty heavily in favor of a proposal to expand dental services for people uh, with kidney failure. Uh, and we would think it should be at all times, but also as they are preparing for transplant and post-transplant. Um, we also really think that they should basically be providing it for anyone on immunosuppressants in addition to transplant patients like those with uh, glomerular disease. Um, so that's, that's a pretty important piece of this in terms of trying to fill in a really important gap. The other gap has been the ongoing cuts of vascular access services, particularly non-hospital vascular access centers. Um, and this is really important. We're pushing, you know, for more options for patients and modalities, and that really means including increasing in, in uh, home dialysis, 
and that really does also really mean that there's a lot, going to be a lot more peritoneal dialysis catheters being placed. Um, and so these things are at odds with each other. They're, they're leaving a gap that makes it harder for some individuals to get prepared to do home dialysis. Um, and it just, it just in general needs to be addressed. And the payment cuts there have, have really gotten, um, very, very high if you track from 2019 to now. And so there's some real concern to be pushing everyone back to a hospital based solution is not a money saver. So within the community, is there general agreement on these issues or are there places where you think CMS is going to hear conflicting feedback from both the kidney community, but then the broader sort of physician community? You know, I think there's actually a a fair amount of of commonality and just people are in similar places. So, I mean, I just really think that that's um, something that we're going to hear more and more unanimity from the community and not division on these. Um, you know, if you don't mind, Todd, I'd like to throw out two other things that were in there. Okay. They made some changes in E&M visit policy having to do with splitting the, the shared E&M visits between the physician and, and members of the team. Um, it has caused some real problems because um, it really it really does kind of come down to a 50-50 or more than 50% time. Um, and it's really hit nephrologists in some ways, in ways that's not been, I think, what they intended. So we're basically asking them to reevaluate that and make sure that it is being equitably split by who is touching, you know, the patient in the billing cycle. Um, and also, I got to tell you, with a little bit of pride, uh, ASN also managed to get uh, create uh, an optimal care, uh, kidney health, um, MIPS value pathway, MIPS being merit-based incentive payment systems. I know everyone's not crazy about MIPS, but we were trying to at least make it easier. Um, and so this, should it be finalized, this will be all just an on-the-shelf set of measures that any nephrologist can pick up and use a certain number of them and, and, qual- and basically satisfy all their MIPS reporting needs. So we're very excited about that. That's taken several years in the works to get to this point. So in terms of the, the proposed rule, the comments from ASN and, and others, and then the you know, CMS process for evaluating the comments and issuing a final rule, just help us out in terms of what that timeline looks like. The deadline for commenting on the position fee schedule was September 6th. And so you pretty much are expected to report out within 60 days. Uh, so that tells us what we need to know, which is we'll probably hear about this while everyone's at Kidney Week. So um, if you see me at Kidney Week running for looking for a computer in the middle of the afternoon, it means they just released this. Well, thanks, David. It sounds like the next couple of months are going to be incredibly busy as we go from, you know, all these legislative issues and, and you know, Congress mostly being out is, is, is you know, all of the House, uh, members of the House of Representatives and a third of the Senate are in some level of, of reelection campaigns. Um, we'll then have these final rules coming out. In November, like you said, around the time of Kidney Week, and then we get into the post-election period and the holidays. So, you know, I think the next couple of months are going to move by pretty quickly. Oh, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Well, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. 
This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare professional if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the American Society of Nephrology.